0: And use code GET100, that's code GET100, at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: And welcome back for the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball podcast i'm your host colby conway at colby r conway on twitter and with me here yet again matt sells at the Sellsman on twitter so matt i know we've been talking a lot here as uh kind of the hot stove is picked back up a little bit in a couple days i had a couple days where you and i weren't updating the mlb free agent tracker and now we've had a couple signings in the last couple of days so i know we've been talking but i gotta ask you how's everything been
2: uh, not too bad. It's nice to be playing or uh, talking baseball with you on a day in which it's currently sleeting and/or going to start snowing. Hopefully, eventually, here in Lincoln. I don't know. They were calling for four inches of snow, and I don't think there's any shot we get it. So, um, you know, it warms my heart to talk baseball, especially on a day where it's sleeting nonstop outside.
1: Yep. If it makes you feel any better, because I know it's not, but I got to tell you anyway, it's seventy and sunny here in North Carolina.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> not but, that it makes you feel any better, but hey, I mean it was 50 here on Sunday and I and I grilled pizza on the you know, for the kids for dinner because it was 50 in January and I knew this was coming. That's why I did that on <laughs> on Sunday cuz you got to take your nice days when you can get them in the winter in Nebraska.
1: I'll I'll give you credits cuz if anybody's not following you on Twitter at the salesman on Twitter, I'll throw that out there once again. You have a very diversified twitter portfolio and that you can talk about nascar you got baseball you'll chime in on football obviously and then you have all of your uh, your cooking expeditions as i like to say cuz it's all this you know sick stuff that looks good tastes good it's all stuff that is way 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 out of my league in terms of cooking and if you follow me on twitter all you get is talking about crappy sports teams so i'm i'm very limited in my in my twitter
2: portfolio well you know, my cooking keeps me away from talking about how terrible the
0: Jets'
2: <laughs> second half of the season was um, for for football. And you know, you also got a uh, a K State men's basketball tweet last night because my alma mater knocked off KU. Um, so pretty stoked about that one. But and then yeah, and then I got the Texans and Pirates.
1: I don't know. I mean, I know where I stand with that. Um, I'm really looking forward to about the end of April for draft season. That's pretty much where my head is at now. So, yeah, it's it's it, things have definitely been interesting. But I'm I'm glad to say at least that we have been getting some baseball news. You know, we talked about it a little bit. But if you haven't checked out on FantasyAlarm.com, Matt and I are diving pretty deep into a lot of free agent science. that started off with, eh, we're going to do, you know, some of like the bigger name guys and go from there. Next thing you know, it's now turned into – if you sign a major league contract, you're almost getting written up in the tracker. That's just what it's come down to at this point. I track. mean,
2: you and I love baseball so much that we can't help ourselves, right? Like,
1: I, I know. it's it's. I mean, I mean, it's all in there. Like uh, we were, we're already updated today. I'm not sure if you caught it yet, Matt, but I went ahead and put in the Brian Anderson and Tommy Pham signings as well as Duval, Adam Duvall, I should say, heading to Boston. So all of that's updated in the tracker. That is up to date. Check it out. Matt and I putting our analysis and what we believe the impact of different signings to be it's all there but matt as the prospect and kind of the young guy here in terms of like the fantasy analyzing some of these rookies and stuff little news came out that jordan walker st louis's i believe he's their top prospect overall is going to get a chance to break camp with the team we talked about it a little bit beforehand uh we're jumping on here so Jordan Walker, incredibly talented prospect. Everybody knows that he's got, I put in the, if you remember from last year on fancy alarm site, when you click on a player for like their profile, there's going to be a write up there. So we call them like capsules. Essentially we're writing those. I ended up writing one on Jordan Walker. Once this broke, once this news kind of came out. So Matt, I want to ask you about Jordan Walker, his chances of breaking camp with the team, but then I also want you to chime in on this. So, uh, over on Fangraphs, uh, I believe it's Jeff Zimmerman. if I have that correct? Yes, he does a mining the news segment and talked about the uh, the team kind of talking about Jordan Walker a little bit. And they the quotes about him are insane. What they are talking about, I'm calling it almost like a can't miss prospect. Um, another quote from I believe it's John Mazaliak of the Cardinals. Do I have that correct? Is it I John? believe
2: so. Yeah, he's I the think GM. So.
1: Yeah. Or president said, of baseball operations. Yes. So he basically said, mentally mature, beyond his years, can't miss prospect, and said, quote, when you talk about combining the physical impression with the performance impression, it's an exciting combination to have, as Ailiac said. You never want to put ceilings on players, and we certainly won't do that here, but it's easy to dream with the kind of potential that this young man has. So to me it sounds like he's got a pretty darn good opportunity to break camp with the team, but that could be
2: me reading in between the tea leaves. I think as long as he doesn't get hurt he's going to be on the opening day roster. Um, There was a lot of us that were expecting him to come up uh, at the end of last year because we felt, even though it was double A, that he had basically nothing left to prove. Um, He's 20 still. He'll turn 21 in May um, of this year. So in his age 20 season at double A, Played 119 games. That's not a small sample size at AA, which, by the way, is considered the upper minors. Um, slash 306, 388, 510. With 19 homers, 100 runs, 68 RBI, and 22 steals. Um, and, you know, a very nice walk rate, double-digit walk rate. Um, just over 21% K rate, which is... Acceptable. That's perfectly fine if you're gonna have that slash line. Um, So yeah, there's not really anything left for him to prove there. He also got some time um, in the outfield too. Not a lot. He played most of his games um, at third base, with uh, 70 of them coming at third base. He played 25 games in right field and 18 games at DH. So they kind of, you know, in a smattering in center and left, but basically he's a third baseman or a right fielder um you know at this point because hey when you have nolan arenado at third base you got to start moving dudes off of third base if you're ever going to get him to the majors um so yeah and then how about this colby for his uh size he's 65220
1: Yep. I Like I said, in the, in the profile that I wrote about him, that, that'll be on his player page, I said, Walker seems to be the type of prospect that you build in a lab.
2: Yep. He's got, you know, I would put it at 55 grade hit tool, which is above average, which puts him about, you know, if you're, if you're figuring that an average batting average right now is about 270, 55 puts him in the 280, 290 range. Where's that raw power grade? uh i put him at about a 75 probably (laughs) okay Um, that checks out he's got he's got pretty impressive raw power um now raw power i would put it 75 if i'm talking game power i might put it down about 65 right because there's a difference between if you watch this guy hit in a batting cage and can he make can he bring it to bear in a game yes clearly um are we going to see him with as much power as say an Aaron Judge or uh Pete Alonzo? Um probably not quite to that level. Does he have a forty home run like does he have a thirty-five to forty home run season in him? Yeah, easily. I'm not concerned about that. Um he's not really going to steal your bags in the majors I don't think his speed is a tad below average um so you might get some but I wouldn't expect this guy to be a 2020 or a 3020 producer um and as for where he fits that's you and I were trying to figure this out before we started recording cuz this is the tricky part right you're not going to move Nolan Arenado off third base we already know that you're not moving Poke Goldschmidt off of first base. So the corners are taken. You're not going to put a six foot five, two 220-pounder anywhere else in the infield because that's just too big for either second or short, obviously. So that means the outfield. Well, right field is taken by Lars Newtbar, who's one of the better defensive outfielders at that spot and everybody's fantasy darling this year. So I think Newtbar is safe. I think if you're going to put him in the field... I think you probably have O'Neill and Carlson split center field and you put Jordan Walker in left. The other option is you just have him get you some major league pitching and you put him in the DH spot and you have Juan Yepes play whenever Walker needs a spell.
1: I yeah, I think that is probably what occurs in that quote from the mind in the News and I'm seeing here on Fangrass from Jeff Erman It does say every shot at winning the opening day job in right field. So if they are going to leave him in right, that either means Newt Barr is going to DH center? or he moves to center or left. Because here's the thing. Tyler O'Neal, there, there's so many things to look at with this Cardinals team. First off, this lineup is going to be damn good regardless of who's in there. Like, it's this very lineup is
2: deep, deep is, and yes. circular.
1: Yes, like, it's very, very impressive. But when you look at it, O'Neal, there's been reports this offseason that he's been trying to, I, I hate this term, but bulk down a little bit and helps yeah. it be more durable. If you're worried about his durability, I don't think you want to put him in center. You probably right. don't want him covering as much, you know, the ground like that. So you could move Newt bar to center and then you can leave Tyler O'Neill on left or O'Neill and Carlson, maybe split in center. I think what's going to happen. It almost seems like in most of these scenarios, Yepes slash Gorman, whoever you believe is going to DH for them or Carlson is potentially taking the biggest hit because if Tyler O'Neal is healthy, he's playing like there's so much fantasy goodness with him and reality goodness with that bat of his he's playing. And I wrote about in the capsule, if Walker breaks camp with the team, he is not up there to ride pine. That is just not happening. If he's up there, right. he's playing damn near every day.
2: Yeah. We're not seeing an Andrew Vaughn situation here.
1: We're... Or at the very least we better not.
2: Uh, yeah. I, is? I don't think I don't think we will. I think the Cardinals um this is precisely why the Cardinals did not make a move for Juan Soto. Um is because they want Jordan Walker yep. up and filling a spot and coming at a cheaper cost with more control. Um so yeah, it's a very tantalizing piece of news. And if you have Walker in keeper leagues well, congratulations. You just got a roster spot <laughs> filled for before the draft day for a very cheap, yep. uh, cheap price.
1: Yep. I, I, I ultimately I think you're right. He's he's the thing is going to be like right now, if you look over at uh, NFBC dad, I believe right now he's going just within the top like 280 or so picks um, since December 1st. Once spring training comes around, he hits that first mammoth home run that circulates Twitter. That ADP is going up. We all know it. Um, Yeah, he's at um, 283 since December 1st.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so but that's going to move up on the first moonshot that circulates around Twitter. God forbid they announce early enough that he's a starting spot. I mean, how?
2: I mean, he's already going ahead of Juan Yepes and Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman.
1: How much higher can his ADP get? You think?
2: Like, here's
1: the thing: you have him graded out at these numbers. It might take a little bit for him to reach his absolute ceiling. Not everybody, not even the top. He's not going to come up top and top be, prospects. and
2: he's not going to come up and be a Julio Roger again from last year. Correct. There's going to be That's a little not, bit
1: of maturation, but I mean,
2: how high are we going to
1: see him go? His min pick already is 171. And this was before – this is recent that I said he's going to get a chance to break camp with the team. So whoever set that minimum pick knew something that we didn't or maybe is the biggest I mean, Walker fan in the world.
2: I have him as my fifth overall prospect right now in my top 400. Yeah.
1: I mean, do you think – I mean, where can that ADP get? I mean, is he, do we, do we see him go in the top 150? That was going to be my line.
2: Like if you – if if we're talking about the week before the season starts – Mm-hmm. And he's locked down. Let's say they come out and say he's played well enough that he's going to be the starting right fielder. Yeah. What? I mean, how do you not, right? How do you not? Like, he's had, he's literally had a bullseye on his back for, it feels like two years as a prospect. Yeah. Like, people started salivating. Like, he's only been in the minors since 2021 right he started uh you know he got drafted as the 21st overall pick in the June 2020 draft obviously there was no minor league season in 2020 so he did some you know instructional work and stuff like that right and then he hit the ground running in 2021 and played a grand total of 82 games in 2021 in the minors across A and High A and hit like well over three hundred, hit fourteen total bombs, fourteen steals. Like it was an impressive debut. And now he's at double A. Um, and basically doubled down on his performance. Yep. yep. So
0: we'll
1: have to see we'll have to see how it plays out with with Walker and St. Louis. I mean, at the very least, it I'm glad they're at least giving him a chance because there is so much fantasy goodness. To be had there
2: to say, I the mean, first. I'm just curious who, what are the outfielders going like around 150 right now? So
1: I was looking at that from December 1st.
2: Hunter Renfro, yeah. Stanton's at basically 150, Ian Happ is at 153, and then Jordan Montgomery's Bader. best friend, Harrison Bader, and then Haniger, Nimmo, Oscar. Like, you can't tell me you wouldn't take a shot on Jordan Walker over. Anybody after Stanton, right?
1: Of those guys, yeah. Pat, I
2: mean, Bader, Hanegar, Nimo, yeah. Oscar Gonzalez, Bellinger, Lars Newt Barr is going at one ninety one. Yeah, Jeff that McNeil. won't that won't last long. Because I is mean Joey Mensis, player. for God's sakes, is going one ninety five. Yeah, Walker going up. We're going to see him in the top
1: one fifty. I'll say it. I mean, if he breaks camp with a starting role, that is, that's my. Or that's my my caveat to the whole operation. Yes, yeah. So unfortunately, another could guy he that...
2: could he beat your favorite guy in Byron Buxton? Buxton's going one ten.
1: Can you not put me in that situation? <laughs> but, yeah, d- don't don't slander Buxton's name like oh, like that. We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes he out. Slanders himself. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, okay. Just. More mine in the news here. I see <sighs> with all these signings that the Cubs have done at first base slash corner outfield, mainly Hosmer, and then bringing in Mancini in the mix, also occupying DH. Matt Mervis is going to start the year in the minors. Scale of one to ten, are you? Where is your heartbrokenness, if that's a word? Because I was wow. excited for Mervis coming into the year. I still am, but this kind of cools, puts a little cold water on the flame.
2: He, Yeah, I mean, for sure. Look, you're looking at your prototypical corner infielder, right? He's going to hit for pretty solid numbers, you know, pretty solid batting average. He's got pretty decent pop. He'll be a run producer. And then basically nothing in the steals category, which is fine. Don't need that from first baseman. Okay. Um But I will say the talent plays. Okay. If he shows up. And he's doing what he did at AAA last year, which was in 57 games, Matt Mervis slash 297, 383, 593 with 15 homers, 41 runs, 39 RBI. Okay. And a 14.6% K rate and a 10.4% walk rate. Okay. He does that again. They will make room for him on that roster. Yep. And I'm excited for Mervis again. There's no, there's no reason to think that either Christopher Morrell or Hosmer or Mancini is going to hold him down, or Wisdom for that matter, or Zach McKinstry. Yep. Right. Lot, lot to like with Mervis. There, there are impediments now to Mervis, which correct does sting. Um, but it's not like they went out and signed a combination of, you know, Matt Olson and Nolan Arenado to hold down. You know, this is not a Cardinals corner infield. Correct. Right. Like Hosmer has been so bad. He has three different teams paying his salary <laughs> that he doesn't pay, that he doesn't play for. Yeah. Right. It's like the old money ball line with David Justice. No, the Yankees think, nothing of you that they're willing to pay you to play against them, right? Like Eric Hosmer is just done at yeah. this point. Mancini I think will be fine at DH. Um Morel was so hit and miss last year, I don't know what to make of him. Same with Patrick Wisdom, who I'm pretty sure at one point some of these guys wind up going back down to the minors for <laughs> like a reset. Um, I know the guy. Everybody thought was going to hold down the first base spot last year, uh, did not do that. So we'll see. But again, talent plays. So if he shows his talent in the minors, he'll come back up and he'll force his way onto that roster. And you and I talked
1: about it a little bit in the in just different circles. But if when Mervis comes up, it's a when. It's not. It's not. You know, when he comes up, it's not an if. It's a when. He's coming up at some point. His power will play. And we've talked about it. That Chicago offense, they're going to be a lot of strikeouts, but they do have some potential to put up some runs. Like that offense, I mean, what I was doing their—it's
2: I mean, sneaky, intriguing.
1: Yeah, when you go to the MLB free agent tracker and sort by that, sort the column by teams. I mean, Chicago hitter, Chicago hitter, Chicago hitter, Chicago hitter, Chicago. Boom! They've just they've revamped that whole lineup, which is good because it needed it needed a drastic overhaul.
2: Yeah. Outside of say, a Suzuki. And, and by the way, um, the handedness of Mervis plays into him, too, because he's a lefty, right? So you've got Hosmer's a lefty. You've got, um, you know, so if Hosmer struggles, you call Matt Mervis up, put him at first base. It's not like you're – you could put him in the same exact spot in the lineup and your righty lefty's you know, rotation doesn't get screwed up either.
1: And it might not even be a f- – Hosmer struggles, it just might be they come to the realization that like Hosmer's just boring and they're sick of just seeing ground balls every other time.
2: I mean, it's also entirely possible that they really like Matt Mervis and they don't want to start the clock on him just yet. Very true. And they're just getting a cheap old busted Hosmer, <laughs> <laughs> and Sorry. not on their dime. And not on their dime at all, because Boston is sort of paying him, but it's really San Diego. They're still paying him to not be anywhere close to San Diego. Um, And you could see, you know, it's the old Chris Bryant. He needs to work on his defense thing. And in, like, 19 days when the clock, like... April, whatever date that ends up being. Although they changed it now, right? It's not a service time thing. It's like, if he doesn't win AL yeah an rookie of the year you know um but it's possible that they're just baiting their you know biding their time with hosmer and then they're going to call Mervis up for sure and they'll be sick of seeing ground balls 53% but, of the time yeah. anyway i mean he's going to he's going to kill so many rallies in the middle of that between say, Suzuki and mancini with ground into double plays <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're just going to be like, we just want somebody here who lost the ball maybe just every now and again, and that'd be fine.
2: Like the top half of this lineup is going to be shanking the bottom half of this lineup at times, right? Because like Horner and Swanson and Happ and Suzuki are going to work their way on, and then you're going to come to ground ball double play from Hosmer, and then Mancini will get on base, and then Bellinger won't be able to find the batter's box because he'll be, you know, whatever planet Belly's on most of the time. And then Morrell will be, I don't know, maybe it'll leave the park. Maybe it won't. I don't know. And then it's either going to be Tucker Barnhart or Jan Gomes, old yep. legs trying to make it around the bases. So, <laughs> this offense is going to be fun, though. You heard it here first. I mean, I know we just said it's going to be sneaky intriguing, and then I just crapped all over half of it. But, like, if Belly can fix the swing, then that's an intriguing piece, right? And if you put Mervis in instead of Hosmer, then you're talking, you've got a pretty good top seven there in a wide open division. Yep, to
1: say to say the least. So, Matt, behind the scenes here, we're, we're starting to get ready for the, the MLB draft guide. You know, we're getting ready. Content starting to, you know, tr- trickle in a little bit. We're putting stuff together. Um, of course, you've gotten a sneak peek of it a little bit. I don't know if we're counting the free agent tracker in the draft guide, but that's there. Check out all, everything that's happening there. Um, even if it's not, there's a lot of good information there that you need to know. But in the draft guide, we're, of course, you're going to have all your stuff. We're going to hit all the fantasy trigger words, you know, sleepers, bust, the top rookies. Matt and I are currently working through those now. And we kind of had an idea here. I put in our note sheet here, not that y'all can see this by any means, but laying the groundwork. So we all know the terms, right? We all know sleeper. We all know bust. We all know breakout candidates. But have we thought to not necessarily truly define it, but explain what it means? So, for example, in the draft guide, I'm going to have my top 10 busts for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. They are going to be in there. I have one player right now at the top of my mind whose ADP is within the top like 25 to 30 picks. Those guys that bust, I am not saying that this particular person, who's an Atlanta outfielder, by the way, is going to hit 150 with 3 home runs and get demoted to the minors. That's not the bust. To me Matt, when I when I hear bust, I think of substantially underperform like expectations or projections and other in other terms too, not live up to their draft capital by a substantial margin. If I say this Atlanta outfielder is going to bust, if they return 32nd overall player value and they were 28th drafted, so be it. You know, but I'm expecting them to be a little bit farther down. So to me, when I'm thinking bust, I'm saying based on where they are drafted, you are not getting this value back. To me, that is a bust. I am not saying that they are going to tank, hit below the Mendoza line, and they're out of the league by the end of the year. That's not a bust. That is just insane to think that that could happen with a player being drafted that early
2: right yeah I'm on the same page with you when we say bust and look we're not saying oh this guy got injured so clearly he was a bust that doesn't injuries don't count in this we're talking about he played a full season or close to it as much of a full season as you expect and just did not produce what you had drafted him to do or really anywhere close to it right we're not talking um trying to think of an example from um from last year that's a, that's a good
1: think about it. okay what about the chicago starters? i don't remember exactly where they were going but lance and giolito i believe it was lance more so but they significantly oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: that's a great yeah they were being drafted as probably sp2s and they were at best sp5s at best. Like that's what we're talking about, right? The the difference between the value you drafted them for and what they returned makes them a bust. It does not mean that they are going like that their career is gonna end this yeah. year. Right. Yeah. Um you pointed out I believe it's Michael Harris you're talking about. It sure is. Um which coincidentally enough I'm writing up his player capsule <laughs> uh right now which is a very interesting one to to think about because he only spent 200 less than 200 games in the minor leagues before coming up uh to the majors and then won rookie of the year and and earned himself one of those famed six-year um you know contract deals in fact Vaughn Grissom's got to be better cuz he's the only rookie that came up for for uh, Atlanta last year that did not get signed to a long-term deal mm-hmm Like, his benefit is he chased Danesby Swanson out of town. But, yeah, he didn't. Like, Spencer Strider got signed (coughs) to a long-term deal. Michael Harris got a long-term deal. Um, Yeah, so I'm with you on that terminology for bust. But I guess my question is, what do you consider, like, how many rounds or however you want to put, like, how big of a drop-off in return do you need for a guy to be bust? like if you draft a guy in the second round and they return fifth round value is that a bust to you see i think
1: again this is like this is a good practice and kind of why we're doing it and talking about it because you know i don't know if it's necessarily apples to oranges like if i'm taking somebody in the first or second round and they only return fifth or sixth round value you know say or we'll say fifth to make it easy for the math terms if I draft a player in the second round, they give me fifth round value. That three round difference is more impactful than my eighth round pick help performing for my team as an 11th rounder. Like there's right. a different level there. So I think earlier on the, the margin for error is smaller. Maybe, maybe three, three-ish three rounds, I think, is going to be like a safest number to go with. And again, like you said, if, like I said, Michael Harris is going to be one of my top bust guys. If he goes out week one and has a freak injury, I'm not I'm not
2: victory lapping that. Well, like anybody that victory laps injuries is just not the kind of priest bowl you want to be associated with, to be perfectly honest. You just can't you can't do that. And then
1: also I'll come back to this quick. Um, Another good example from last year was. um, Sal Perez coming off the 40 plus home run season, being the first catcher off the board by an insane number like that was was a fail.
2: He and R- Rio Muto were not even close, and yeah, Rio that Muto was, was yeah. that was set to fail. So that's
1: a good example for that. But I mean, earlier on, I say in the first like two, three, four rounds, because those are your cornerstone players essentially, and if they're not performing as top round guys, I think that's where you're in for a world of, a world of hurt. Like so, like you know, look back at Lin, Lin and Giolito. You drafted them as maybe back end SP ones or solid SP twos. For them to give you SP five, even SP four, if you even want to give them there. That was incredibly detrimental to your team. Your pitching was screwed from the start. Like, you had, right. you couldn't come back from that. So I say earlier on, maybe two or three, maybe three or three-ish rounds of value. And I think later on, for somebody to bust, like, for your 10th rounder to bust, it's got to be pretty darn bad.
2: Right. Okay. So here's – so I'm looking at third base right now. Yeah. On NFBC ADP from December 1st of 2022 to today. Okay. And we've got Devers – is the fourth third baseman off the board right now at 20.66. So basically second round in a 12-team league, right? And then if we go down to Nolan Arenado, he's sixth off the board at 38. So that's, you know, you got 16, 18 picks there between those two. So it's about a round and a half, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go to Bregman, who is seventh off the board at seventy seven. Spot like 77th off the board, so it's basically 40 spots between Arenado and Bregman. Yeah, then you've got Gunnar Henderson at 91 and a half. After that is now Max Muncie at 145. So, what you're saying is that if Devers performs like you take Devers at 20th, right? But he performs like Arenado, who went off at 38th, right? That's a couple rounds, that's okay. That's okay. But if Arenado goes off the board at 38th, and performs like Bregman going off the board at 77, that would be a bust. Because now you're talking three and a half rounds?
1: Yeah, I would... Yeah, I mean, you're talking 38 to 77, basically 40 picks. That's four rounds in a 10-team.
2: Yeah, you're talking Arenado might be sneaking into the late third, certainly in early fourth, and 77 puts him... What, seventh round? Beginning Around of the there. seventh round?
1: So, like, that's where it's... That, I mean, that's, and that's, and that's a tough thing too. Like, do we look at it and say, well, I'm drafting Jose Ramirez at second overall. If he performs as 20th, that's a major bust. I mean, even if he's the 20th player, it's still pretty solid for your team. Just maybe not second overall. So like in terms of the gap of production, I think that's honestly going to vary by rounds. But I think if you're going to put a rough label to it, I mean, you could even look at it at tiers. So if we want to look at third base, let's just, just to make it super simple. Let's put Ramirez in his own tier. Right. And let's say Witt and Machado are in a tier, and then Devers and Riley are in a tier. Arenado's in a tier of his own. Then it drops to Bregman. If by the way,
2: why is Austin Riley going off the board after Devers? Well, that's a good draft value that you should probably keep quiet so we can keep getting it.
1: <laughs> I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. So let's let's Keep doing it, people. Keep taking Devers first. Let us, let us get Riley. Or maybe, if you're listening, you should be pushing Riley up above Devers. Maybe that's how I should be wording it.
2: I mean, you should be targeting Riley over Devers. For like, sure. That's not and even, like, you asked me for a bust. To me, Devers this year is a bust. Devers is I'm, I'm, Devers
1: is, I'm taking a little closer look at him because it ultimately is going to come down to which version from last year of Devers do you believe in? And again, I think both are a bit extreme, but we'll we'll let's dive into Devers on maybe the next episode.
2: Curious, I case. think it has more to do with the lineup around him than what he's well, actually capable. That of is doing. an issue. That's an issue too. But we'll get that into lineup that. around him is not anywhere close to what it, even though the lineup last year was not great, it was still better than what they've just put together. I mean, the last four spots in this lineup are Casas, Duval, Reese, McGuire, who's better at taking his pants off than hitting a baseball. And Christian Arroyo. Yeah. that I mean, that lineup has some concerns. And so Masutaka way... and Yoshida, we're not sure what we're getting, right? Like, yeah. he was great in Japan, but so would say a Suzuki, and that guy had a rough rookie year. Yeah. Maybe
1: maybe the way to look at it in terms of busts is maybe if they drop two or more tiers at the position. That's fair. That's Maybe that's a way to look at it. That's and fair. Obviously, later on, it's got to be a little bit more,
2: you know, but... Maybe
1: for the early round guys, because I think most of the bust candidates I have are being drafted within the top
2: 10 to 12
1: rounds, probably in a 12-10 I mean, 10 it's hard to
2: label anybody outside of the top 150 as a for bust. Sure. Like, what? Like, at that point, I feel like you're 12 rounds deep, you have most of your, like, let's say at that point you've gone, what, eight hitters and four pitchers? Yeah. Through 12 rounds, probably? Um so at that point you've got most of your starting lineup filled you're basically taking flyers on an SP5 or like a fourth or fifth outfielder.
1: Yeah, and the bus have to be earlier on cuz I don't I mean I've been playing I mean I know I'm younger than I'm like I'm younger than you, but I've been playing for quite some time and I don't think I've ever looked back on a season and said, "Well, you know what, if my gosh darn 17th round pick would have worked out, I would have been unstoppable this year." You know, I didn't lose because of
2: my 17th round pick. You don't lose because of 17th. You (laughs) may not win because they don't do, like, but, like, you're also, I mean, 17th rounders are going to fill a spot, right? But it's not going to kill your draft either way. For sure. And then, so, that's
1: kind of the bus. So, now we're going to go to everyone's sleepers. And, you know, I don't want to keep this going too long. But in terms of sleepers, sleepers is a fun one because there's so many questions with sleepers well, what's a sleeper? You know, Well, this year, you know, young guy, I think Gunnar Henderson is a sleeper. That guy is not a sleeper. Okay? He's not a Everybody sleeper. He's been known for –
2: Yeah. He's arguably like, the best prospect in baseball.
1: A lot of times it seems like to me, Matt, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong or if this is an incorrect assumption, but the way I tend to see it is people who come up with not a lot of major league experience get the sleeper label because people in your standard leagues might not know him, but I think a better way of looking at it is – like Gunnar Henderson's gonna be a top 70, maybe top 75, top 100 pick if he can move up a little bit. Like we look at him here, he's pick 91. So, top 100 pick. You know, most people know who he is. He is not a sleeper. Everybody's favorite sleeper seems to be Lars Newbar. He's going inside just the top 200. That's more of a sleeper. To me, because that's the later round guy, like you can only push Gunnar Henderson up so far. You can push up Newt Bar as far as you want to go, depending on how much you believe in that batted ball profile. So to me, I think the sleeper label almost comes at where they're being drafted and maybe the player in situation. But really, like you can't have a guy with a 60 or 65th pick ADP be a sleeper, regardless right. if he's never done anything
2: i completely agree right like Gunnar henderson came up and had a cup of coffee with the o's last year to the point where he still counts as a prospect right yeah um and several people have him as their number one prospect to me he's the number two i have corbin carroll just ahead of him but you're splitting hairs right um and i've seen just today we're recording this on january 18th just today on my timeline i've seen no shorter than eight tweets this morning about Gunnar henderson and how He's one of only three people with 50 batted ball events and, and you know, this whatever set of criteria you want to set it to. He's, like, one of three people, right? Like, everybody's making up their own, like, little niche things to prove a point about a guy. But here's the problem. If it's January and you're seeing eight tweets about Gunnar Henderson, he's not a sleeper, right? Um, I'm... I'm in the boat with you. It's a guy who, when you look at their projection and you look at what they've done the last, you know, year, if it's not a prospect, obviously, and then you sync that up to their ADP and you're like, well, why is why are they going off lower than where their projection or their performance states they should? That's a sleeper. Okay, a perfect example for me of this is Alex Cobb. And, frankly, every San Francisco pitcher is a, is a sleeper. But, <laughs> For sure. Um, I mean, Camilo Duvall, their closer, is going off at 81. That's their first pitcher off the board right now. Logan Webb is going off at 117. But Alex Cobb is their third pitcher off the board right now since December 1st on NFBC through 160 drafts. He has an ADP of 243. Okay, you're talking about like 20th round, right? Something mm-hmm. like that in a 12-team league, maybe 22nd round. Okay, if we take a look at some of the projections here, and I've been, I've been you know, scouting this guy for a little bit. Projections have them for a pretty decent, you know, mid-3 ZRA. Okay, that's perfectly fine. Just about a strike out an inning. We're good there. We're going to get... 10 to 11 wins, not bad. Wins are tough to come by these days. We're going to get about 160 innings pitched. Guy's going to be on the mound quite a bit. He's going to not kill you and whip, okay? If you go by K percentage, about 24% K rate, that's perfectly fine. Okay, so there's nothing here that stands out to me as to just like a red flag that he has to Jump to hit these projections. You want to know why? He had a 3.73 ERA last year. Okay, cool. But ERA is not a great stat. His expected ERA was 3.15. His FIP was 2.80. His xFIP was 2.89, and his Sierra was 3.15. So all of those are pointing to he had a better year than ERA stipulates. He struck out more than a guy per inning. Okay, made 28 starts, even for a terrible Giants team. He still approached 10 wins, and he's locked in the rotation. All of these projections and these numbers put him as a top 26 pitcher. Yet he's going off the board at 243. I do not know why that's the case, but to me, that's a sleeper. That's a guy who is, who is, in all likelihood, going to outperform that um, that that draft spot. And to give you an idea of what 243 ranks in terms of pitcher, just combined pitchers, mm-hmm. right? 243 for Alex Cobb puts him as the 94th pitcher off the board. Yep. There's, and I... There's not 60 relievers being drafted in front of him, right? So, like, mm-hmm. he's coming off as probably the, I don't know, the 70th starter off the board maybe. That's a sleeper. And I think
1: you hit something, too, that I want to kind of touch on before I talk about like a, like my sleeper example here, just to kind of get people intrigued about what will be in the, the top 10 sleepers article that we'll have in the this year's Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide.
2: Which, by the way, the draft guide is free this year.
1: Yes. You'll get, it. You'll get our thoughts for free. So yes. can't cannot beat that. But one thing that I like, or not that I, I don't like to see it, if we're being honest, it almost seems like sleeper. And breakout candidate are used interchangeably. When and a sleeper not. does not be a breakout candidate, like listen, I like Alex Cobb. I may not like him as much as you. I do like him.
2: I'm not saying he's gonna be a top 15 star. Correct. And that's I'm, I'm saying he's gonna be happens. an SP3, but being drafted
1: as an SP six. Exactly. That's the key connotation. Like for those who call Jordan Walker, Gunner Henderson, Adley Rushman as sleepers, the correct term for them is breakout candidate. Not Correct. necessarily sleeper. Alex Cobb is a sleeper. He's an SP six that nobody likes, or maybe if they do like him, they don't like him enough to push him up boards. But he's going to be an SP three at worst, an SP four by season's end, and that plays. You can be a sleeper and not break out. Cobb's not going to go nineteen and three this year with a one nine eight ERA and break records.
2: He's yeah, he's just not, not, not pulling a Rick Porcello, AL Cy Young campaign. Yeah, right, but. When he's being drafted
1: as the 93rd or whatever number you said, pitcher off the board, and he ends up performing like a top 45 starter, that value is pretty darn good. And even if it's one of those things, like I have talked about it with in player profiles previously for Fantasy Alarm and player capsules, some of these guys, you are not going to notice anything that they do m- during the year. And at the end of the year, you're going to look and be like, well, damn! He hit 15 homers with five stolen bases and hit 270, and I got him outside of the top 250 picks. That's pretty good value, and I didn't even know that he did it. Like that's the thing with sleepers: like you're not right. going to get alerts of Cobb going out there two hit shutouts with 13 strikeouts in eight innings. That's not his game, but he can he can outperform expectations. That is the key difference, and I think where you and I agree. Sleeper and breakout candidate are not terms to be used interchangeably.
2: I'll give you I'll give you two I'll give you two names that perfectly illustrate this. Right. Okay. So Alex Cobb is going off ninety fourth pitcher off the board. He is a sleeper. The eighty eighth pitcher off the board and the one hundredth pitcher off the board are Edward Cabrera and Hunter Brown, respectively. Those are breakout candidates. Agreed. They are not sleepers. The difference is. You don't know what they're going to do. So they could completely flame out or they could buy for their respective leagues, the rookies of the year, right? Alex Cobb is not going to break, not going to be in the Cy Young discussion, okay? But you know what he is. He's a known value and he's being drafted too low. That's the difference. Cabrera and Hunter Brown are breakout candidates. Alex Cobb's a sleeper
1: now sure can a possible sleeper be somewhat of a breakout candidate sure they can but when you're using it for the top prospects they are not sleepers they are breakout Like so for me one of the guy that I'm going to write up about who's actually not too far behind um, Cobb Cobb's pitcher 94 and the guy that I like is 108 it's Chicago's Justin Steele is he going to win the Cy Young no no did he was he good last year sure he was good but he had, a, he had a back strain that cut his year short, and nobody's looking at his final seven starts of the year where he had a 0.98 ERA and 11.5 K per nine. He has not gotten pushed up enough. He's got the talent. And I even talk about it in the player capsule that I wrote. I ended it with, he may get capped around 150 innings, but he'll help your team's ratios, post restric- respectable strikeout numbers, and I like him to post a sub 3.5 ERA for the second straight season. That's not... World-beating numbers, you know? He's not going to post an elite strikeout rate. He's not going to be an elite ratio guy. He's not winning 15-plus games. He's not going sub-2-5 ERA. But he's the 108th pitcher off the board. He's a guy for me that will be in the top 75 by season's end, whether people want to admit it or not. So, like, that's another sleeper. Is there some breakout hints with him? Sure. But... It's still a sleeper because he's not like I'm. As much as I like him, I know he's not going to be an SP one or two this year. Like I just know that.
2: And but by he's by the way. The form don't let anybody tell you that Spencer Strider is a breakout or a sleeper.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's being
2: drafted as an SP one. Yeah, he's the ninth pitcher off the board. <laughs> <court. laughs> yeah, exactly. He's literally so, he's literally going ahead of Brandon Woodruff right now, who I love this year. And by the way. Dylan Sees and Aaron Nola and Shane McClanahan. Yep. And Verlander and Rodon. So he's not a sleeper and he's not a breakout because he already had his breakout. He struck out 200 dudes in like a hundred innings. He's okay. just another elite SP one. Yes. That's, that's what
1: he is. So I think, I think that's good to like lay the groundwork and talk about that. Cause like later on, like breakout break, you know, let me say it, let me say it this way. I think this might be a good way of putting it. You know, the whole, what is it? Squares or rectangles, but not all rectangles or squares type analogy. Yes. Like it's almost kind of, Similar to that, you know, like some breakouts can be, but not all. That's kind Correct. of what it comes down to. So I know we were going to talk about draft trends that we kind of been seeing, but we're kind of already at time. So I think maybe we'll use that as the launching point for our next episode um, of this where we're going to talk. I've been doing a uh, best ball and underdog. I'm probably going to get into a couple more. So we'll have a couple drafts to go off of. But Matt and I are just going to take a look at the board, see what's been shaken out, some early draft trends. Is there any category that we can punt on? like on a site like underdog where it's points based can you afford to point or punt on like a position or category so, or anything oh that's a good so that's that's going to get I get that question get every
2: flowing. I get that every, that that question every year so that'll that conversation will come with stipulations next time for sure, for sure.
1: and that's fine that stipulations are are fine so of course we're going to put a bow on this episode but of course make sure you get over to fantasyalarm.com check out the MLB free agent tracker Uh, If you've got any MLB questions because drafts are rolling around soon, Matt and I will be in the discord answering any questions. So make sure you're there and get ready for the release of this year's fantasy baseball draft guide that we're going to have at fantasyalarm.com. which Matt, a little birdie has told him that it's going to be free this year. So
2: it is going to be free. It's entirely uh, free. So I've already written two uh, league format strategy pieces already, um, including one, Uh, Yesterday, actually, Um, we'll have player capsules for a ton of a ton of folks like, I don't know, for for me, I'm doing the NL East uh, and between the five teams there, I think I have about 100 between 100 and 110 player capsules to do for those five teams. So that should give you an idea of the uh, number of player capsules we're going to write that'll be on the player pages. My prospect report or prospect rankings are already out um, and have already been updated once. We'll see uh if I update them again based on some some recent you know, Jordan Walker Pam Irvis News. Um Dynasty rankings are already up. And uh I will also have an article about players you should target with the shift being out of commission this year. Because they yes. are banning the shift. Uh so I will have a breakdown of what that means for fantasy baseball and uh, players you could look at who might also qualify as sleepers. I'm kind of curious as to where one of the main guys sits. Um, ooh, he's got a n- n- nice and tidy little value there. The, the the main guy I'm writing about is going off the board right now at pick 67. Okay. Okay. And so, I think there's some value there.
1: Go go scramble to see who that player is. Check out everything we got for you at fantasyalarm.com. Give Matt a follow on Twitter at the Sellsman. Give me a follow at Colby R. Conway. And we will see you next time for the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.